Welcome to Passion Life Church. This morning, I want to talk to you about a thrill of hope. Does that sound familiar to you? And I think it does because it's, it's in one of the most amazing, amazing Christmas carols that we sing. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think a Christmas has gone by without me just listening to Oh Holy Night. I, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees. You know, I love the part that says, hope a weary world rejoices. Do you know as well as I do, the world is weary. The world is weary, but it's what hope does. Hope can make a weary world rejoice. Can you say a good amen? That's the power of hope. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, 26. I want to talk this morning specifically about hope, but I want to talk about raising our expectations, raising expectations. And we're just going to look at Mary. We're going to look at the Christmas story. I think Mary was a person full of faith. I think Mary was a person full of hope. And I think we can just gleam from her life. And I think there's a lot of similarities that and the things that she did that uh, I think that are similar, even relevant to us today. Luke chapter one, verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Come on, touch your neighbor just real quick and say, the Lord is with you. And then say, so you can rejoice. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. How many of you know that was not a Hallmark card? That was an angel. And then verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I don't know if you remember your Christmas childhood memories. And I remember we always used to make a list. My parents would have us make a list of the things that we wanted. And I mean, making that list was so much fun just because it created in us expectation, a hope of the gifts of what could be under the tree. And so we would make that list, but you know what? We never got what was on the list. We got what was on sale. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to the right people? We didn't get what we expected. We got what was on sale. But you know what? Next year, that didn't dull our expectation. That didn't dull our expectation for next year. Next year, you know what? We kept our hope alive because there was an expectation that at some point, maybe we could get what we were asking for. But you know what? I think sometimes as adults, we just seem to lose this expectation. 
My son is so excited about Christmas. He doesn't even know everything that he's going to get, but he knows he's going to get. And there's just an expectation. But I think sometimes as we go through the years as adults, we can lose that expectation in the things of God. You know, my son's happy. He doesn't even know what he's going to get. I'm an earthly father. And how much more should we have expectation about our God and the gifts and the things that he has in store for us? My church family, it's time that we raise our expectations. You know, hope and faith go together. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, in the Greek, hope means expecting. It means an expectation of good. It actually means this, joyful expectation. A joyful expectation. You could actually say it like this, hope is a positive expectation of good. And here's what our faith is. Our faith is a confident and hope is expectation. So you and I as believers, we can have a confident expectation in God. Now, you say, Pastor Phil, why is expectation so important? You know, expectations in our lives are so important because expectations actually set the boundaries for your life. So many people have low expectations. And maybe it was because of growing up, people didn't expect a lot of you or people spoke negatively things over you. And so you just never felt like you could have or raise your expectation. But let me ask you a question. What are you expecting from God? What are you anticipating God to do in your life? And if you say, well, Pastor Phil, you know, I just, I'm just not really expecting anything. Well, let me tell you, you need hope then then you need to raise those expectations in the things of the Lord. What are you expecting? Are you expecting for God to change things in your favor? Are you expecting for God to split the sea so you could walk right through it? Are we expecting to experience the goodness of God? Or are you expecting another year of absolute hell on earth? Last year was just hell. You don't know what hell is. And thank God you're not going there. But maybe you experienced hell last year because that's exactly what you expected. Because here's the truth. You get what you expect. It's funny. They did some studies. And guess what they found in these studies that they did? They found that people see what they want to see. Listen, they found in this study that people see what they expected to see. So what are you expecting to see? Because here, this is so important. God will meet you at the point of your expectation. God will meet. Do you remember the four guys? The four guys, they took their, their friend who couldn't walk and they couldn't get inside of of the house where Jesus was preaching because it was packed. They looked through a window. They couldn't get, they said, we can't get. They went up on the roof, tore off the roof. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus met them at the point of their expectation. He met them. You know what's interesting to me is that we have a limitless God and yet we limit him by our low expectations. 
You know, Jesus said something, and it just, it always gets, it gets me fired up because Jesus said to people so many times, he says, oh, ye of little faith. You know what he was saying? This is what he was saying. Why do you ask so little of a God who has so much? Why do you ask so little? My church family, our God, right? The Bible says that our God, his throne is the heaven and the earth is his footstool. That's, and we ask so little. I hear people pray, oh God, just help me out a little bit today. So what you're saying is this, God, I just need a little help because I just want a little bit because I still want to do it myself. Instead of God, help me today. If you don't help me today, I'm not going to make it through today. Why not go through the day with his strength and not your strength? Come on, somebody. Do you know what's interesting is that in the scripture, God at Jesus asked and God at times asked people this question. What do you see? What 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 do you see? See, let me ask you this. Are you looking through the lenses, the God lenses in your life? Or are you just kind of going through life? Just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. If you'll raise your expectations, things will change. If hope will arise. You know, a Harvard professor did a study. And one of the things that he found is that teachers who expected their students to dramatically increase their IQ, guess what happens in the student's life? Their IQ was increased because the teacher expected it. It's the power of expectation. And if I were to ask you today, where's your expectation? What level is your expectation? You, that would really be where your hope is at. And I'm just telling you as we end this year and we go into 2017, my church family, it's time that we raise our expectation. Come on, can I hear a better amen than that this morning? It's time that you stop to raise the expectation. Yeah, you can give the Lord a great round of applause. And see, this is what happens with Mary. The angel comes, and you know what the angel does? The angel is speaking for God, but the angel appears to Mary, and his words were meant to raise Mary's expectations. I, I mean, there's some people I want to talk to when I get to heaven, and Mary's one of them. I mean, when you think about just going and asking Mary, Mary, like, what were you expecting for your life? Well, before my life was interrupted, I was engaged. I was in love with this man named Joseph. I loved his beard. It was perfect. It's beautiful. No crumbs in it. He was just the essence of a man. I loved Joseph. And I was engaged. And every day since I was three years old, I would dream of my wedding. And then at four, I actually thought about my wedding dress and what it would look like. And every day as a young woman, I would think about the day that I was going to get married. Those were my expectations. My expectations were that I would be married and have a family. 
And little did she know that here comes God and we need to know this because this is what his word will do. His word will come to you to raise your expectation to give you a greater life than you ever imagined because Mary didn't just become a couple like Bradgelina. You know what? Mary and Joseph became the couple that would bring the savior of the world to earth through Mary, through Mary. And the angel says, Mary, hey, there's a totally different plan. It's time to raise your expectation. And you know what's cool about Mary is there was nothing particularly unusual about Mary. I mean, she wasn't, you know, from a wealthy family, a, a illustrious family. As a matter of fact, she was just this teenage girl sitting around thinking about her wedding. But you know what? In that time, there was an expectation of a savior, that a savior was coming. They were expecting. And can I just tell you, that's another reason why we can raise our expectation. Jesus is coming back. Not only did he come, right, and die and raise again, but my church family, the word tells us he is coming back. So like Mary, and in those times, they had an expectation of a savior coming. You and I can have an expectation that God, that Jesus, we will see him again and he is coming soon. Come on, let's raise our expectations. Let's raise them. But they were waiting on a Messiah. And little did Mary know that God would use her to be the one. And see, I think God is looking still for people, for him to use. And little did you know that God wants you to raise your expectancy because he wants to use your life. He wants to use your life. And so where we place our expectancy, where we place our, our hope is so important. It's just so important. And I just put together today four truths that I want to I wanna talk to you about. Because I believe if with these four truths, this is going to help you raise your expectancy. And if you can place your hope in these four truths today, I believe you can see miracles. Here's the first one. Come on, my church family. Let's raise our expectation. Number one, we need to have hope in the person and the promises of God. Amen. Why the person and the promises of God? You know why? Because God is not separate from his word. God's person and promises go together. God's purposes, God's person and his promises go together. So I can expect God to perform his word. Mary had to expect that too. The angel started saying what was going to happen. And she said, Lord, be it according to your word. I wonder what 2017 would look like in your life if you said, Lord, this year, be it according to your word. Be it according to your word. You know what I love about the Bible? 700 years even before the angel appeared, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And Isaiah 700 years said before, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Little did she know that God's promise would be fulfilled in her. In my church family, 
My prayer is that as you say, Lord, let it be according to your word that God's promises be fulfilled in you. I'm preaching better than you're acting. But see, our hope has to have a foundation. It has to have a foundation. See, if our hope has no foundation, then guess what? It's just a wish. I was at a prayer meeting one time, and we were just praying, and somebody started to pray out loud, which is cool, right? And this is what they said. Oh, God, I wish. I wish. You wish when you wish upon us. Well, I mean, what is that what our prayers are? Just wishes that we take and throw them in the pond and say, all right, Lord, I just, I wished it. If your hope has no foundation, then it's a wish. But see, our hope is anchored in God. The Bible says that we have a hope that is an anchor to our soul. So our hope is anchored in God. And God, my church family, watches over his word to perform it. I hope this scripture blesses you because I've been thinking about this all week. Psalms chapter 25 verse 3 says, No one who, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. That sounds pretty direct, doesn't it? And our hope needs to be in the person and the promises of God. Here's number two. Our hope needs to be in his plan and his purposes. Do you know that these also go together? God's plan for your life is his purpose for your life. And from his purpose for your life, he gives you a plan. But here's what happens. Sometimes in this plan, we don't see the future. Most of the time, as a matter of fact, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I need hope when I don't see what I need to see. If I've already seen it, I don't need hope. So whatever you are facing right now, if you haven't seen it, you need hope. Have you ever been in a moment where you don't and you can't see the future clearly? It's in those moments, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I need hope. When we can't see the future, we need hope the most. We need hope the most. And Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, God saying, for I know the plans. You know, I looked that up and some translations say thoughts. God says, I know the thoughts towards you. But you know what's amazing? It says here, for I know the plans, the thoughts. And I love this definition. It says, for I know the intention. So God knows the intention for your life because for he for whom he did foreknow didn't we talk about that for six weeks God foreknew you and intended your life for what a purpose for I know the thoughts the intentions I have towards you declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you declares the Lord listen to this plans to give you a what is that word come on come on say it loud what is that word to give you a hope. And one translation says, an expected end. So we are supposed to be excited, this is interesting, about a plan that we don't see the whole thing. But that's what faith does. 
Faith doesn't see the whole thing, but faith has hope that the unseen will become seen. Somebody at some point was praying for your salvation and they looked at you and saw you and they were saying, oh God, they need to be saved. And they looked at you, they heard you talk and they were just like, they couldn't go by what they saw. But thank God somebody had hope. They had faith that God could save you. And guess what? He did. And you know what happened in those moments is the unseen becomes seen. That's when we need hope. So don't just don't get discouraged. You know, what I love about God is that his plans and his purposes go together. God was so intentional about Mary. But I'm going to encourage you this morning. God's intentional about your life, too. That's why you're on the earth. He has plans. He has purposes for your life. And the Bible says that God, the angel told, listen to this, Mary, you're favored. That means graced. So God not only has intentions, purposes, and plans, this is where I love to shout. He graces your life for those plans. He graces your life and he favors your life for the plans that he has for you. So I want to do things according to the plan and the purpose of God. That's where I'm graced. I'm graced to do what he's called me to do. That's why so many people, I think even in the world, are so weary. They're outside of God's plan, doing all of this stuff in their own will. They're tired and they're doing things that they're not graced by God to do. And let me just encourage you, as we look at Mary and we see some hardships, let me remind you that God graced her for what she was about to go through. And you know, some people, they don't live according to God's will. You know, if God's will was really being done on this earth, we wouldn't have starving kids, right? But how many of you know there's other wills in place in this earth? Number one, there's God's will. Number two, he gave you a will. There's the devil's will. And all of those are happening. And some people choose to live their life by their will and not God's will. Now, let me just say this. I, I think it's important. Not everything that happens in life is God's will. Not everything that happens in life is God's will. Some people live this way and they say, this is their hope. Well, whatever happens, happens. Que Sarah, Sarah. Whatever happens, it just must be God's will. And then you know what that means? This is what it really means. And this is what they're saying. I'm not going to take responsibility for what I believe. So whatever happens, happens. My church family, when Jesus walked on the earth, Jesus looked at people and said, your faith has made you whole. So in other words, my expectation and my believing and my faith has a part in what I receive from God. I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know, that just must be how God wanted it. Come to church. They trip over a chair, hit their shin because they're tired from the night before. Oh, well, maybe that's God's will. Maybe that's what he wanted. No. How about because you were up last night binge watching on Netflix, 
and you couldn't get enough of The Walking Dead, so you continued to watch 20 episodes, went to bed at three o'clock in the morning, got up to come to church, and you were so tired that you hit the chair. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? That is your will, not God's will, because God, if it was his will, he would have inspired you to go to bed on time so you could come to church, because listen, you can watch The Walking Dead for 20 episodes, and it will not change your life. But one word from God will change your life. So don't be tripping and blaming God. Oh, that's his will. No, it was your will. And you know what's unfortunate sometimes is that we're affected by other people's will. Let's just be honest. But you got to know that not everything that's happening is God's will. But for me in my life, you know what? I want God's will done in me. And you know what I love about Mary is that Mary believed in the plan and purpose of God. Even when Joseph didn't. God had to convince Joseph. I can't even imagine this scenario, but God had to convince Joseph. You know what that tells me today? Not everybody is going to agree with the plan and purpose that God has for your life. So you know what I learned from Mary? Don't worry about it. God will take care of those people. Let God, you know what? And so an angel shows up to Joseph and God takes care of it. You know, Mary believed in the plan and purpose of God, even at the loss of her own reputation. She would become pregnant and not be married. And in that culture, oh, it was not good. She wasn't married. But you know what? She said, not my will, God. Your will be done. She believed in the plan and purposes of God, even when she had to endure nine months of pregnancy, pregnancy and going days on a donkey. My wife didn't even want to get in the car to drive from our house to the hospital when she was pregnant. You want to talk about being on a donkey? Come on, tell somebody, touch your neighbor, say, believe in the plans of God. How about this one? I'm just, this is real life for Mary. How about we believe in the plans of God when you knock on the door and you got your little baby, you go, uh, do you have a room for us? Like this is the God child, hallelujah. Can we have the king suite? Will you still believe in the plan and purposes of God when there's no room at the inn? And you know what Mary did? Mary believed. And I think sometimes when there's no room at the end, when we knock on the door, we walk away and we take our hope. And Mary said no. And thank God that there was what theologians believe a cave, a stable for them. And you know what? I believe that's the perfect place for a lamb to be born because he was the lamb of God. But she didn't have it all going on. You know, Mary believed the purposes and the plan of God, even when Herod was going to kill all the baby boys. Can you imagine all of the sacrifice that Mary went through? And then now all of a sudden, here comes King Herod and he's gonna kill all the babies. Would you still believe the plan and purposes of God? But how many of you know Herod had a plan, but so did God. And God had a plan to save his son from Herod. You know, Mary still believed in the plan and the purposes of God. And she was willing to give up her own plans for God's plan. To give up her own plans for 
God's plans. You know, maybe you're in a place right now where you can't see the future. You know what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says? It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. What are you saying? Are, is your saying uh, sabotaging your hope? Oh, you know, I'm this and I'm that and things never work out for me. I hear it all the time. Every time there's games, I never win anything. Well, that's why. You said it, you professed it. Great expectation you have. Maybe if you've never won anything, if you changed your expectation and raised your expectation and have some hope, God would meet you at the place of your hope. My church family, Zachariah said, be a prisoner of hope. In other words, he was saying, be a prisoner of a positive expectation. Those are, those are tough words. Prisoner of a positive expectation. And today, because of Mary and her sacrifice and her faith, the world can experience a Savior. The world can experience a Savior. That's my prayer. That's my prayer today, that because of our faith, because of your faith, when we come together, the faith of Passion Life Church, that a weary world can experience the thrill of hope. Hallelujah, Jesus. But we have to have faith in his plan and in his purposes. Here's number three. We have to hope in God's power. Go jump down to verse 34. It says, then Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Because the angel said, look, you are going to be pregnant with the son of God. How will this be? Since I do not know a man. How many of you know that's usually how it happens? Usually that's Mary's like, yeah. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power and the power and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I looked up that word power in the Greek. You know what it means? Strength and ability, strength and ability. The Holy Spirit comes on her to give her the strength and the ability to fulfill the plan and the mission that God gave her. My church family, the Holy Spirit does the same with us. That word is called dunamis power. It is an enabling strength and power that the Holy Spirit gives his people to fulfill God's plan. Can I just encourage you? You cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to stop trying to do it by ourselves and let his power flow through us. We need to have hope in God's power. Think about this. You think you have responsibilities. I think I have responsibility. Mary had the greatest responsibility in human history, and yet God empowered her to do it. And you know what that tells me? God will empower you to fulfill what he's called you to do. And she had to believe. You know, it's one thing in starting a church, and I have friends that have started churches, and I have pastor friends. They've done this before. I have good counsel. Mary, who could she call? Has the son of God ever come before 
This had never been done before in human history. And yet, you know what? She had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And our lives will change if you and I will rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And she believed, even though she would be the only one in history to ever do this, to ever do this. My church family, don't try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Listen, God gave you his life to live through you. God gave you his love to come through you. He does it in you so he can do it through you. I think doing it by yourself, that's what we call religion. Man-made religion is people just doing rituals to try to please God. Man, that's not the life I want. I want a life that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just remind you, do you remember Mary? Remember Jesus' first miracle, at the, mir- the miracle of, of uh, turning water into wine? They find out and she finds out, hey, there's no wine. There's no wine. And she, she tells Jesus, hey, there's no wine, right? And then she tells the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. I think she was saying that out of experience because that's what I did. I did whatever the Lord told me to do. And because I did, he's here at this moment. Now he's going to do something for you. If you'll just do what he's told you to do, she knew from her expectation what God could do. And here's the last one today as we close. We need to have hope in God's glory. You know, Colossians chapter one, verse 27 says this, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles. Well, here's the question. What is the mystery among the Gentiles? He's gonna tell us. The glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. God picked Mary because God believed in Mary. And God believes in you. That's why he chose you. And can I just tell you and brag on God for just a moment? You didn't choose him. He chose you first. You were lost partying, right? Right? You were out doing your thing. And God chose you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, loved you before you loved him. He picked you. So he picked you for this plan, for this purpose, specifically and he believes in you. Do you believe in you? See, today I'm up here. I believe in me, not because I'm all that in a bag of chips. I believe in me because I know that God believes in me. And you know what? I'm not going to throw that in his face. Who am I to tell him that I don't believe in me when he believes in me? You know, that was one of the reasons why I came to Christ in the first place. I mean, I was just so confused. My dad was a pastor and God never quit on me. This was the, I mean, he just kept annoying me. I would tell him I don't believe in him. And he would, I would hear this voice. I still love you. I said, would you quit? I don't quit on people. And God never quit on me when I quit on him. So I want you to know this morning that God believes in you. And here's this, I just think this is awesome because a lot of times when we think about glory, 
You know, we think about the Old Testament and the glory cloud and, and that was, right? It was in the Old Testament. It means splendor, part of that definition in the Greek. But listen to this. In the Greek, this is what glory means. The word glory means always a good opinion concerning one resulting in praise, honor, and glory. So in this text, this is what Paul was saying. God always has a good opinion about you. He may not like what you do all the time, but God's opinion of you is always good. Oh, of course, he loves you. He made you. He created you. He created you. And now he wants his son to live on the inside of us and not only give us hope, but the Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. My church family, we have a creator who became a part of his creation, died for his creation, rose again, and now our creator lives inside of the creation. I just, I just spelled out Christianity for you. What other religion does that? Our creator becomes a part of his creation because we needed a savior, died, rose again, and now the God that we worship resides inside the worshiper. And he says that it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. My church family, I just hope we can understand this, that wherever you go, that God is with you. And I believe that's why we can have high expectations and we can raise our expectation because God has a good opinion about us. When we don't see the future, he sees the future. It's sad because I think a lot of us just keep looking back. But you know what? God wants us to have a hope about the future. And look what Mary says as we close today. Luke chapter 1 verse 49. She says this. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And, the, and holy is his name. My church family, God will meet you at the point of your expectation, but God always exceeds your expectations. Let me say it again. God will meet you at the point of your expectation, but you know what? He will always exceed and do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think. Because of Mary's hope, because of her expectation, what she did, she was able to bring Jesus to a lost and dying world. Listen, please. It's Christ in you. You carry the Savior like Mary did. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And just as Mary walked around and had Jesus inside of her, we walk around today with Jesus on the inside of us. That is the hope of glory. Come on, would you give him a great round of applause today? He's the hope of glory. When I was in high school, me and my friends, man, we sold drugs. We sold dope, right? Now I'm not a dope dealer, I'm a hope dealer. Come on, somebody. God wants you to so have hope 
that it rubs off on a weary world. And I'm telling you today, I don't know what you're facing. And I'm sure you can convince yourself that there's no hope. But I'm telling you today that there's hope. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 